to talk about today as we wrap up our series, uh, The Fight of Your Life, and that we are under attack. We're going to talk about the, the, the fight for your, your mind, which really, as we'll see, is your identity. Who, who are you? Who are you? And you can see just in walking through that, that they're, they're wrestling. Who am I? Average beautiful. I hope today, I hope today, as we walk through this um, passage of Scripture, I hope today that God gives you a little bit of vision of how He sees you. It's to help you see who you are. So as we go through this, we're going to fight for our mind today. But if you're going to gain any ground, if you're going to take any next steps today, um, authentic. You're going to have to be authentic with yourself. You're not going to have to say anything to anybody, but really between you and God, if you're able to just really say, God, I'm open today, whatever you have to say, let him speak. Um, I think you can gain some ground today. I think you can break loose and find some freedom today. So let's jump right in to um, our scripture out of today is Ephesians chapter 6. It's where we've been for the past five weeks. And it is in verse 10 where we're going through what Paul has called the armor of God. And he says this. He says this will be a review as well. He says a final word because he's wrapping up a letter to this church in Ephesus. He says, be strong in the Lord with, in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So we talked about how the, there are strategies to try to, to make you unaware. Satan, we, find a, we, we fight a spiritual battle against our spiritual enemy, Satan. And he just wants you to be completely unaware he wants you to think you're fighting against the physical, the flesh and blood. He wants you to believe that your spouse is your enemy or your kids or your coworkers or your boss. Like they're the problem. And what he's saying here is, no, 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 it's much deeper than that. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore... Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. And that's the goal. So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. And so in week one, we said this starts with the belt of truth. You've got to have a core. That belt's going to go around the core of the body to support when you're trying to get knocked over. You need a firm foundation, and that's going to be found in truth. What is truth? And the strategy that Satan loves to use is he'll twist it. He wants something that looks good, feels good, sound, or looks true, feels true, sounds true. But let's twist it just a bit to get you off course and off direction. So we got to have a solid sense of what truth is. For shoes, put on peace. That comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In this body armor, we have shoes that give us a firm footing. And that peace comes from trust and gratitude in any situation. To me, that's what's been hope most helpful for me. Because I battle with anxiety a lot. To be able, to, for me to gain ground in this series, peace 
equals trust plus gratitude. I've been coming back to that one over and over. And then last week, Tony Stidham, if you weren't here, did a great job of talking us through this shield of faith. It says, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows from the devil. Tony did a great job. Now, I don't like, this is the one I hate the most out of all of these because I got, I'm doing good. I got shoes of peace. I got a belt of truth. I got a body armor. I got a shield. But fiery arrows coming at me? No, thank you. Like, you take a step of faith. You can expect some fiery arrows coming your way to distract you. And then today we're going to be on put on salvation as your helmet. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. How do you fight a battle that is not physical? How do you fight a battle that's spiritual against an enemy you cannot see that's in a location, the heavenly realms, that you physically can't be there? Prayer. Prayer activates everything that we've been talking about that. We talked about that in week one. Today, helmet of salvation. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to steal your identity. Identity and salvation uh, go hand in hand. What is salvation? Salvation with God is you putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. You, 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 you say Jesus was God, not just a God, little g, but God, big G. He lived a perfect, sinless life on this earth. He died on the cross for my sin because God's perfect. I'm not. I deserve punishment. And Jesus took on the full wrath of God for me on the cross. He died. He was buried. And not three days later, we always say, well, three days later, no, on the third day, Friday, Saturday, he died on a Friday, and then on the third day, Friday's day one, Saturday's day two, Sunday's day three, so not quite three days later, but on the third day, he rose from the grave. He's alive. He, he said he was going to do it. He did it. Then he ascended to heaven. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone, because you can't earn it, all right? He did it all for us, and then you say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. Turning from my old ways, my identity, my salvation is now in you. When you do that, you receive salvation. It's called conversion, and it comes instantaneously. But that's not all salvation is. It's not just, oh, I saved you from your sin. Oh, hey, you get to go to heaven. You're, you're not going to spend eternity in hell. It's, it's, it's much bigger than that. Salvation is something that, he says, put on the helmet of salvation is something that you put on every day that you can have victory now. That when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he comes and takes up residence inside of us. And your identity now is not in who you were. You have a whole new identity that is in Jesus, in Jesus alone. Like Jesus is now my identity. That's what salvation is in a nutshell. He says, put that on. Put on your new identity. Now, Satan's goal, Satan's objective, he can't keep you from the ultimate victory of, of uh, he can't take your salvation away from you. Okay? He cannot take that away. But he wants you to keep from living in victory now. He doesn't want you to realize that you have salvation now. And so he will, he will attack your mind, he will attack your, your mind to keep you from, from realizing that you have such a great inheritance from, from God. And so that's his goal. Your brain is to your body 
what your mind is to your soul. Romans 8, 6 says it like this. So let your sinful nature, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. This one right here, scripture just says, it can lead to death or life in how we handle putting on the helmet of salvation. He wants you to miss out on who you really are in God's eyes. So I hope today we get a little bit of vision of how God sees you. To open up our eyes. To see that we are created in God's images. In God's image. Genesis 1.27. We are human. Humanity. Unlike any other species. Was created in the image of God. And Satan's been attacking it ever since the beginning. Because when you know my identity is in God. You have value. You have purpose. You have a calling. And those things, when you put on all the armor of God, someone who's going to have peace despite the circumstances, someone who's grounded in truth, someone who knows who they are, that's pretty much an unstoppable force when you're talking about building a kingdom and being able to move forward. There's no fiery arrows that are going to stop that when you can, when you can grasp these things and put them on. Now, there's a ton of scriptures we could go to to look for examples of this. I want to look at an example to kind of give us a glimpse of how this might play out in some of our lives. So I want you to turn to Luke 18. It'll also be on the screen. Luke chapter 18. It's also in Mark chapter 10. And Luke uh, identifies a blind beggar that's going to meet Jesus. Mark identifies this, this, this gentleman um, as Bartimaeus. In Luke, we don't get the name, but we know this is the blind beggar Bartimaeus. In Luke chapter 18, it says this. It says, as Jesus was approaching Jericho, he's getting near, near the final months of, of before he hits the crucifixion. But Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He goes through Jericho. And it says, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of the crowd going past, he asked what was happening. And they told him that Jesus the Nazarene, he was going by, going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people in front of him yelled, quiet. Modern day translation, shut up. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. And he ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus answered, Jesus said, All right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see. And he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. The man's identity. Bartimaeus was his name. But he was known as a blind beggar. And when he spoke up, we know what the other people thought of his identity too. Because they said, be quiet, shut up. Who are you to interrupt this man, Jesus? Who are you? Who do you think? You're going to walk through the, the door beautiful? I mean, it's one thing to, 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 to see that. Okay, and then you have the, your friend who says, you're beautiful. But walk through that confidently, knowing who you are. And you know this, how we judge other people. Oh, they're so, look at them. They think they're, look how arrogant they are walking through there. Who are you? Let me put you in your place. 
Because that's your identity. Some of us have, an, have accepted an identity that is not truly you. It's something that maybe happened to you, but you need to know today that it does not determine who you are in God's eyes. Because they might have said, be quiet, sit down, you're not worthy. But Jesus, the creator of the universe, stopped for this one man, the outcast, the blind man, the beggar. And sometimes we've accepted an identity that we've placed on ourselves. It's like we go and we look at the mirror, and when we look at the mirror, because we know who we are, and we, we know what we've done, we know what we've thought, we see, we see all the mistakes, we see all the, the flaws, we see the regrets and the shame, we see the overwhel we see overwhelming. That's when I look in the mirror, all I see is, is overwhelming. I think I can't, obviously I can't handle it. Because when I look at them, they got all these, their family, look at them on social media. They're happy. They're, they're going crazy. Obviously, I can't handle it. I must not be enough. Or I look and it's just like, I know. I know when I posted that picture, I know um, I really was just wanting acceptance. Like deep down inside, I just did it for some self-validation. I guess I'm just really sad. I'm such a sad person because I got to do all of these things to pursue all of this stuff just to feel accepted. And we've accepted some sort of identity based on who we say we are. Or sometimes we go after like this mindset of like the grass is greener on the other side. You look at, the, you look at them and their yard is so good. And I look at my yard, there's poop in the yard. There's, there's gopher holes in the yard. And there's all this stuff and their, their yard looks looks awesome. And so we live in pursuit of the stuff, whatever it is. I don't know what that is for you. Like maybe it could be a, uh, like I want to pursuit of I want to get out of debt. And that's not a bad thing, but we, we, we say that. If I get that, then I'll be whole. Then, I'll, then things will be good. If I could just make more money. And we won't just come right out and say it and say, I, I'm, I'm greedy, because we would have shame if we said that. But if we're authentic, if we're authentic with ourselves, and we really allow God to speak truth into our life, we'd come down and say, yeah, it really is just about the money. I just really think that would be more satisfying. The grass is greener. Or maybe it's a season of life for you. You may say, if I could just have that relationship, then I would be made whole. If we, would just, if we could just get married, if I just got married, then I would be happy. You don't, you don't have to laugh at that. You can laugh at that. Or, hey, if we just had kids, then we would be happy. Parents, you can laugh at that one too, okay? <laughs> or we're in a season of life right now. We've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old. I'm kind of like, man, empty nesters. <laughs> man, you guys, you guys have it. Go anywhere, anytime, you can just go. And the empty nesters are thinking, 
We really do have it. This is awesome. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. The grass is greener on the other side. Our identity was never meant to be reaching for something that we may never get. You may chase that your whole life and never get it. Or you chase it and you get it and you realize it didn't satisfy. It left you wanting more. It left you empty. You were never meant for an identity of, of the mirror that, that you think is the re representation of you. You were never meant for the identity of what you think other people think of you. The picture, your identity, your salvation that you put on was always, always, if you want a picture, it's the cross and the resurrection, the two together. Jesus stopped for the one man, the blind beggar who didn't deserve it. Everybody knew it. Shut up. He's too important for you. And he stopped for him. And he stopped for you and for me. And he died on the cross for you and for me. And he did not stay dead. That's the hope. Whatever situation you're facing in your marriage, in your finances, there's a resurrection that he brings dead things to life. And so there is always hope. That's what our identity is in, is in that picture of the cross and the resurrection. Anytime the enemy tries to bring these things on and rob you of your identity, remember, remember the cross. Remember the resurrection. Because when you do that, when you do that, you start to get a vision. What do you want? I want to see. I want to see. Give me vision of who I am. Ephesians 2, Paul alluded to this earlier in Ephesians. You want to know who you are? Read Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 because he gives you a huge glimpse of how God sees you. One, he says in, in, in uh, chapter 2 verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece, created us anew. You got a new identity. He's created us anew. He didn't just fix you. He didn't just clean you up. New, brand new identity in Christ. So we can do the plan, good things he's planned for us long ago. You struggle with this. We all struggle. I could, I could go through the list of your insecurities. All right. I could find one for everyone. I, we could just go. We have them. Okay. But we need to see when those things rise up. Who, what, what is my identity? I'm chosen. I am beautiful. I am valued. I do have purpose. I am forgiven. I, don't, I may not feel like it. You may not always feel salvation. You may not always feel saved. I don't always feel American, but I am, right? And we're going to celebrate that 4th of July. We can't celebrate it with fireworks, but America goes crazy. We, get, we celebrate our freedom with fireworks and getting drunk. We, blow, we like to blow things up. I don't know. Sometimes you don't feel the things that are always present in your life. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I don't always feel saved. So you've got to go back to what I know. And what I know is truth. And that's going to be my core and my support when, this, when the enemy comes to attack. What do you want me to do for you today? What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. And I think that's the question that, that God was telling me to ask you today. That God is, is asking, what do you want me to do? What do you want? Gets down to identity. Why are you here? Like, why did you come to church today? It's a, it's a tricky question. I don't, I don't know. Only you can, really, you can really answer that. 
but dig a little deeper. Why, why are we even here on this earth? Why, why are we here? What I love about that, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want to see something physical. We've always said, hey, it's not about the physical. They're spiritual, right? What I love is Jesus didn't rebuke the man and say, no, you can't. I, I give you your sight, but that's not what you want, man. You want this. Jesus cares about whatever is going on in your life. So if it's relational, if it's physical, if it's financial, he cares. But more important than what do you want me to do for you, which is a good place to start, it's what happened next. What do you want me to do through you? What do you want me to do for you is a good place to start. It's a, bla- it's a terrible place to stop. Because the biggest miracle that day was not Bartimaeus getting healed of his eyesight, which was huge. Salvation happened that day. When he received his sight, he says, your faith has healed you. And he followed Jesus, praising him. He spent the rest of his life following Jesus and get to see what Jesus wanted to do through him. What does God want to do for you? But even more so, what does he want to do through you? Instantly, the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. The outcast, the blind man, the beggar, His dysfunction didn't drive him away from Jesus. His dysfunction is actually what called him to cry out to Jesus. And the same is for you and I today. Whatever we face, we usually want to run. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I can't. Oh, he won't. Oh, but he will. He knows and he loves you and he came for you anyway. Which brings me to the last piece of armor. It's our only weapon. Everything else is designed to protect. We know we are in an offensive position. This isn't a a retreat. This is a a position that the soldier in is one that is wanting to gain ground, but we give him one weapon and it is the sword of the spirit. It says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword is, we are on offense. And this is the sword used is not the, like the one where you need a two handed grip with like a three to four foot long blade that would take like all of your energy to swing it and throw, like it's good for movies and they had those, but that's not the one. The, the Greek word used is um, talking about more like a dagger, kind of like about a foot long. And it was one that was, it was two edged and it would, it's meant for to hand to hand combat, close encounter. When the devil's all up in your face, When he is right there trying to knock you down, trying to take you down, trying to take your family down with temptation, taking, stealing your peace, trying to destroy your mind. He says, take out this dagger. Take out the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. He actually tells you what this is, the word of God. Now, there's three words in the Greek language that all translate to word. Here, so which one is it? Because it's important. One, one, I got to be careful with my fingers here. Um, there's one word called graphe in the Greek, graphe. That means the actual physical ink on the pages. 
Okay, so you, you, you be on your phone. You actually see the, the, the letters on your phone or whatever. That's the graphe. Then there's another word that's translated to word, and it's logos. And that is the message of the graphe. So I read, I read a, the graphe, a, a book or the Bible. What does it mean? So when, when you hear a preacher or someone like explaining the Bible, that's the message. It's the logos. What's, what's, you hear it being explained. What's the word say here? But that's not what he said. He didn't use either one of these. He used another Greek word, and it's called rhema. Rhema. And that is the utterance, the spoken word of God. And this is where, this is it. This is where, okay, I know I have value. I know I have calling. I know I have these things that I need to do in my life. I'm putting on truth. Got my shoes of peace on. I'm ready to go. God, I want to serve you. I want to go, and I do. And then he speaks rhema into your life. And I believe, I really do believe, that God has rhema for you and I every single day of our lives. God's not silent. He doesn't want to stay hidden. Just a lot of times we're so distracted or we haven't been putting on the armor or we're so busy that we, we don't hear the rhema or we're, we just don't know that it's even there in existence. And I believe he has. It. And it doesn't have to be big. It could just, the rhema for you today, like he's speaking to, it's like I've been in church services where the preacher's talking. I remember one time I was in an auditorium, 2,000 people. I felt like I was the only one in there. I'm like, how did the preacher like wiretap my house and just like speak directly to what's going on in me? That's the rhema, the spirit giving you a sword saying advance, next step, here it is. It does no good though if we know the rhema but we don't advance. If we know the rhema and we just put the dagger away. We, Rendell said earlier that we are here to take our next steps in our relationship with Jesus together. I'm convinced as most of Christians, most Christianity, we know the graphe, we memorized it, we know the logos, we know what it says, we don't, we, we don't need to know more about that. We need to go do what it says. What is God speaking to you, the rhema? And that's where life gets fun. That's where you start seeing other people praising God through you. I've put on my salvation. What can God do for me? But now I'm going to go start living it through the sword of the spirit, the rhema, what he's spoken directly to me. I've been listening for it. Now I got it and I go and do it. And you start, seeing, you start gaining ground back. You start getting victory back now. So as we close this series, as we wrap this up, I don't know what God has spoken to you. I spoke to you a little bit about anxiety. Like I haven't been putting that on, that, that, uh, the shoes of peace. I don't know where he's called you to take back some ground, but my encouragement to, to you, Freedom Church, is you can win now. Chaos can abound. The enemy is going to attack. The fiery arrows are going to come. You know they're coming, but... You can win now. When we, when we started Freedom Church, and I, there's a lot of great churches here in town. I love them. I have nothing really against them. I just know for this church, I really felt a sense from God that there are blind Bartimaeuses all around. People hurting, 
People blind. People begging. They don't even know. Christian and non-Christian. Looking for an answer. Looking for healing. Looking for salvation. Looking for identity. And I really believe that Jesus is wanting to stop for a lot of people and say, what do you want? What do you want? I don't ever want to close the doors here. I look forward to the day where we're continuing, where we're not here anymore because we've expanded because we get it. I was blind, but now I see. There are other people who are blind. I got an invitation card. Maybe, maybe they'll see, maybe they won't, I don't know. But I'm always continue to, I'm not gonna tell them to shut up. I'm gonna let them know that they have value, that they're beautiful. And that there's a place where they are welcome to take their next step. So with that in mind, can we stand? I wanna, I wanna give you two invitations today. And the first one is for salvation because you can't put on all this armor of God on your own. It's only in Christ Jesus. And if you've come here today and you don't know where you stand with God, you don't have to leave here today not knowing. You can know. So with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to take a minute to give you a chance to respond.